This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Welcome to the show, Gearheads. We just watched the Formula One season finale at Abu Dhabi. This John Massengill sitting in studio with Les Kaiser. Jonathan yes, Green sir. is not in studio tonight. This morning, I should say. Oh, no! And, oh, mayhem! And, yes, we've heard mayhem a few times this year with Jonathan not being in studio. But we have a guest in studio. We have former Haas F1 team manager Dave O'Neill. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yes, we just watched the season finale. Lewis Hamilton wins start to finish, pole position, and uh, wraps up his season with his 11th win. And he also got fastest lap. And I believe that uh, that is his sixth fastest lap of the season as well. So I'm I'm loving this new website that I found. I say new. I've found it before. StatsF1.com. It's great. But yeah, it was a it was not the most exciting race, but there was a little bit of action going on, and uh, good to see uh, some of the teams. Carlos Sainz looking good coming in and uh, and wrapping up his race, and uh, Hulkenberg wrapping up his potentially F one career. But uh, he got driver of the day, guys. Hulkenberg yeah. did. I think nice. that that was just a fan fan but, favorite. Yeah, that, that that's nice. I mean, I. I do think uh, Botas earned it from last all the way up into the front pack. Yeah, yep. Uh, you said something a minute ago. I wish, and, and you were right. You said I wish they'd have co- covered his ascent to the top a little more because we didn't get to see as much of that as I'd right. hoped. Yeah, but yeah, Botas ended up fourth. Let me just run down the grid. Lewis Hamilton wins race. Verstappen comes in second, second with all kinds of engine conversations on the team radios about different modes all up and down the. The uh, up and down the the numbers modes one through eight or whatever, uh, but Charles Leclerc third, Valtteri Bottas fourth, Sebastian Vettel fifth, Albon Perez, Norris Kvyat, and Carlos Sainz in tenth, Daniel Ricciardo just outside the points in eleventh, then Nico Hulkenberg, Kimi Raikkonen, Kevin Magnussen, Grosjean, the Haas boys at fourteen and fifteen, and Giovinazzi, Russell, Gasly, Kubica, and Stroll who did not finish the race after some damage. Yeah, Dave, our our Haas team uh, did exactly what you see them do every race this season. Magnuson was competitive. What, he got up to like 7th, 8th place? I think it was 8th. I think he got eighth, up to 8th. Yeah. And then just as the tire issue that they've had all year long just started creeping in, and they just kept dropping and dropping and dropping. Yep. Um, I guess, um, as predicted, um, I think they'll be – be glad to um, see this one out um, yeah. and start again. Um, I think they've probably got some valuable data from, you know, it seems pointless going around, but the the, um, the information you gather um, from these these races is really important, vital to um, next year's car and how, uh, how they tackle the problems. So, um, yep, 
also yeah. good for the team you know they do the pit stops so they learn more about that that side of things um and again you have to run around to to gather data so it's it's a, a worthwhile exercise they'll they'll take it right they'll take yes. any i mean it's all the f1 teams it's it's only been in the last few years where we've seen the the drop in in testing i mean how many years ago was it where you got a significant amount of additional testing throughout the season or and even off season yeah, in season. I mean, they still do um, some of the tire testing for Pirelli, which is split between the teams. But um, yeah, probably 10, 10, 12 years ago, you were testing after each Grand Prix. Yeah, so, um, plenty of testing. So yeah, I'm really curious, though. You know, you mentioned the tire testing, uh, and we've we've heard you know from the Haas guys talking about how they're struggling with temperature and how to do this. I I feel like it's going to be mostly aerodynamic driven and not be able to keep your temperatures up. Um, what else is involved in it? In the actual tire test, um, would, that's normally a Pirelli tire test. So they give you the the stipulated um, setup. So you have to run this camber and this toe and this wing level, um, and then the the tire compounds that they give you are, you know, for next year or you know, further down the, the the season, so you can't you can't really change anything, and all the data is shared um, between the teams on on that side. So it is literally a, a tire test. It's not a mechanical test for the team. I almost wonder test. why they don't just have their own cars and let's just. Well, they did probably run their own cars. Period. They did. They did try it, and then the <laughs> um once they worked out all the expense um of having the. You know who was going to give them power unit? Who was going to gain the advantage from giving them? Because everyone wanted to give them the power unit oh, to, to test. Yeah. So um, once you started looking into that, and then whose gearbox would you run? Um, you know what chassis, etc. It worked into um, I don't know millions and millions before you could get uh, a test mule. And then obviously each race, the cars get updated. So. The, the test car, the Pirelli car, if you like. It becomes a maintenance item. Exactly. Hmm. So um, they just figured it would be best to to share the costs between the teams um, and also, um, you know, just share the testing roles, which which they tend to do, you know, one, yeah. one or two days each, that's it. Well, so after the race, normally, I mean, not even after the race, begin in the middle of the race, F1 teams normally start packing up and, getting ready for the next race and getting hurried and and talking about and strategizing for the next race. But what about this right now, Dave? What about the end of the season? They just finished up. Are they? Is there some relaxation in Formula 1 at this point now? Are they, are they celebrating a little bit, even up and down the grid, even if they didn't win? I think there's, um, you know, it's a sense of relief that the season's yeah. over with. It's, um, it's nonstop, you know, from the from winter testing or even before that when the car build starts um so they will they will go off and and have their their holidays or their days they haven't taken off during the year um but they'll be getting ready for testing there's a couple of days testing after this this race so not too much will be packed down um they'll uh they'll go back and of course they'll have to you know get back to the 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 correct clocks because the the testing will start at nine o'clock in the morning um, as opposed to when they finish finish here. But there'll be an awful lot packed up. Um, you know, there'll be more people on the bigger teams that will fly out um, to train new engineers that have been at the factory. Um, it's a good time to blood people without having the, 
the the pressure um, on of a race weekend. Um, and of course, you got the race environment still. You know, the garages are all set up like you would have racing, etc. Uh, it's a good time for sponsors. You know, quiet time to bring sponsors out and um, and give them the experience um, with the testing. And then, of course, you got the new drivers that will be going into the cars as well. Um, yeah, putting them into the system. So yeah. quite quite a lot happens after the after the race. Well, in a little bit, I want to hear more of what goes on from this point until the beginning of the new season. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that we're excited to have someone who's been there, done that, want to hear about that. And I mean, and and so, uh, I mean, it's such a brutal schedule, right? First yep. of all, I mean, we forget that it's a sport we love, and and we all get up early in the morning and all that, but. I mean, these guys travel all over the world, and and it's just an insane schedule, hard on families and hard on everything else. But but this time between now and and March, uh, generally, what what all goes on? I, um, so, sort of a brief overview would be something like um, the the testings. I can talk for the smaller teams, the bigger teams. They tend to have more people that can come in and more resource back at the factory. So, you know, that's a given and that's what you're up against. But if you talk about the midfield um, side of things, so that we'll, we'll do the testing. You know, someone like House doesn't have another 20 or 30 people flown in for the test. So it is the race team effectively doing that. Maybe one or two more would come in. Um, so you do the test. Um, you'd pack up. We're in um, on the 1st of December now. Um, so all the freight would be back um you know the beginning of next week uh so you know like 7th of december everything will be unloaded um and then by the 1st of january the sea freight for australia will need to be floating um off off to australia so you have to think of things like colors you know sponsor changes etc because all the garage boarding as we were talking about earlier yeah. all that if you have new sponsors, old sponsors coming on or on or off, all that has to be decided before the first of January. Well, see, Haas got a head start on that because they got to get rid of all of the sponsorship <laughs> the <Yeah>. logos <laughs> yeah. this season. Oops, you had to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah. When I hear F one sponsorship, I had to go there. Oh, yeah. they've still got that Twitter account going for Rich Energy and and talking like they're the greatest. So, uh, energy drink ever, and I've still never seen a can of it, at least not here in the United States. But yeah. hey, by the way, if you want to join the conversation, you can call us at 512 643 Live. 512 643 5483. Call us up. Tell us what you think. Ask Dave a question. We got a, a rare moment to talk to someone who's been inside F1. Feel free to give us a call and tell us what you think. But uh, but yeah, Dave, I, you were you were talking through some of the the what goes on and some of the big team versus small team. I bet that is a pretty dramatic difference of what goes on in the big team versus small. Yep, um, but you know that that's the way it is. So um, you just got to kind of get on with those those sort of things. And of course, you know you only you only bite off what you can chew on 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 those on those sides. Also, you know we don't have to get involved in. Um, the engine builds and you know all the other parts that are, are bought off the shelf yeah but yeah going back to the um the winter break as they they will refer to it as um the freight and the sea freight will be getting ready for for the first race um the guys and girls will have their their holidays or uh, vacations that are owed to them um over the winter so 
they tend to come back in the first or second week of January and then the, the onslaught starts again. So it'll be preparation for the car build, um, which, you know, generally takes about a week, but is spread over three the time the, the bits come in um, and the car's built and then um, preparation for, um, uh, you know, in factory pit stop practice. So people get acclimatized before the start of the race because you've got a three or four month gap before they start doing their two or, you know, two and a half second stops um, hmm. under pressure again. So there's a lot of practice. Then there's, um, you know, some of the teams have got training regimes in boot camps for, for the, the guys and girls um, that are on the team to go away to, um, which have to be done. Um, and then, of course, the winter testing starts again. Mm. And then the, the merry-go-round. It all goes, starts all over. Going again, yeah. So <laughs> there isn't really any downtime per se, um, you know, just the holidays that are owed and then it, it keeps going. But the factory staff, again, you know, are behind the scenes making things work um, for the race team. There's a lot of people behind the scenes that um, oil all the all the gears while the, while the team are away. Well, when did they start actually making the parts for the 2020 car? For instance, mm-hmm. um, somewhere around the August time um, of of the season, um, they make the bigger bits. You know, maybe like the plank, um, some of the skids, etc. But the the bigger stuff, um, like where the engine's going to sit um, and where the engine's going to bolt to the gearbox, all that sort of stuff is done probably, you know, April May time. Okay, you know? yeah. so they're they're definitely um, ten months ahead of of everything. Well, now we're looking towards quite a collection of changes for 2021. Uh, to me, that is such a drastic change that we'd probably, I mean, how early can they start looking at 21 designs? They've been looking at them for, um, <laughs> as, as they go into the meetings, um, mm-hmm. you know, th- this is what the teams will be doing. They'll be reporting back to the drawing office and um, saying, you know, we could be going off on this. We've got, two front wings now or you know another element on the rear wing and yeah so everything that's been talked about they'll then model simulate so they are ahead of the game so they're doing it now they're spending fortunes on it now and like i think i said last time i i personally believe the gap will be a pretty similar gap to to how it is now well uh what about the wind tunnel testing at what point do they start counting the hours or the the limits of wind tunnel testing is it does it include individual components or does it include uh, the profile of the car is when they start accounting it, for that it, it's um they call it on on wind time so it's when the fan starts spinning um is is when it's ready so what happens um on that side to gain you know gain the quick changes is they maybe have two or three models as opposed to one model so if you were changing a front wing you'd have three three models with three different front wings you were testing so you can lift one car out and put the other car in um and that's the way um to make to take full advantage of the um of the on wind time so all right guys well hey let's take a quick break and when we come back we're going to spend the next 45 minutes going through the highlights of today's race Actually, that's a joke. We're going to, because it won't take that long. I have some notes from, from today's race that I do want to talk about. 
But we got lots more to discuss, and we're going to wrap up the season. So stick with us through the break. Listen to Speed City live from Austin, Texas, back after these. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. You can take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky. The source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing. WindingRoadRacing.com. Talk 13.7. Hi guys, this is Craig Astley and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Yeah, that was, that was Pierre Gasly and we got to spend a bunch of time with Pierre Gasly and Daniel Kvyat at NASA, man, that was so cool, and uh, and we got to know those guys really well. I I, I warmed up to both those guys, and um, and uh, Daniel Kvyat really was interesting too because he got to meet some Russian astronauts, cosmonauts, I guess they call them, at NASA there. But hey, let's talk a little bit about today's race. In my notes, one one of the exciting things to me was they started using a, a quick little stat. At the start, I'd never seen him do this before. At least I don't know if you guys had seen right. it, but I had never seen it. But they showed the the uh, the driver with the fastest start, and they did it in like a zero to sixty kind of thing. They did zero to two hundred kilometers, and that was Sebastian Vettel at four point four seconds. So you think about four point four seconds to what one hundred and twenty? What's that? One hundred and twenty-four miles an hour. So that's pretty fast. Yeah. 4.4 seconds to 124. Do they give reaction time? I'm thinking yeah. drag strip now. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, like like uh, drag racing lights, but no, uh, but that's the first time I've ever seen that. I thought that was cool, but uh, but highlights in the race. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think what else was in there. Uh, I have in my notes where the uh, the the engineer to uh, to Max was saying, "Calm down, Max, and refocus." And I said to Dave here in the studio, I said, what do you think Kimi Räikkönen would have said to that? And I think his reaction was, they wouldn't have said that to Kimi Räikkönen. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't have yeah. said, shut up, I'm, I know what I'm doing. Uh, uh, let's see, what else? There was a there was a kind of a midfield battle there with Norris. He, uh, he got beat up on the last couple of laps, um, lost mm-hmm. out there. Um, Kvyat. He had a good race, I guess. Yeah, you know, from the from the midfield, but finishing ninth, yeah, finishing ninth, yeah. I mean, the disappointing thing, I guess, for all of us sitting here not knowing what's happening inside is what's going to happen to Leclerc with this um, sort yeah. of pending investigation. That's you know, true. That and before so, and after. So. Yeah. So you know, I I'm still in a quandary. Why does it matter? 
uh, admittedly, there might be a little bit of benefit not carrying a full load of fuel from a weight perspective. But my understanding was that things were pretty strict on the 105 being what it took to finish a race. And so I'm kind of like that. That seems like it would be self-regulating, but there's a reporting aspect, which is what he was caught out on. Yeah. Well, but so you were explaining this, Dave, and we'll let you explain it again in a minute. But the idea is you they they weigh the car and they say, OK, you have too much fuel why are we waiting hours and hours? We know what happened. We know the infraction. Are they are they going to go do some further investigation? I guess because that's the frustrating part. If if I don't if there's a if there's a plausible explanation on why they're waiting, okay, fine. But if they know that it happened, just like all these race incidents where we find out three, four, five hours later who actually won the race or who actually was on the podium, that's the frustrating part that we've complained about many times over the season. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. Um, you know, going into and especially for the driver, you know, he's going into the race knowing that he's under investigation. Um, is is definitely got to be on the back of his mind. Um, but yeah, it. I mean, we. I don't know the full ins and outs of it, but the only interpretation I can get from it is the the volume or the mass that was given um, to the FIA, which they declared whether it was a hundred and four point two liters or kilos whatever they they gave um so whether there was you know a, do, a documenting issue um and when it was reported and then also when they weighed the weighed the car to see how much uh fuel was in it um wh whether it fell over there so the i mean quite clearly it says in the in the technical regs what's required but the no one has explained to us who are listening from the outside, yeah. where, where it's fallen over. They're just in a breach of um, of the rule. So um, I don't know. I guess we just yeah. have to wait and see if there's um, any good Twitter feeds out there that can... Yeah, um, so far I'm not seeing anything. I know, and, and that's the, but that's the frustrating part, is that in the ones that happened during the race, in my mind, there is zero excuse. Yep. You saw what happened. Uh, you, you, let's say we give you five minutes, you know, like... <laughs> Or, or some amount of time, but not hours after the race on those kind. This is maybe a little different. Maybe they actually have to inspect the car afterwards. Well, I think the, the I mean, they will because the cars are scrutinized and and picked to to do so after after the race. But you know, a lot can happen from being in the garage to <laughs> to going to the grid. I mean, the FIA have um, uh, cameras in the garage so the teams are watched at all times from Wednesday on when the cameras are switched on so you know it could have been human error as well could have been a genuine mistake someone yeah, just handwriting and hand, writing or sent an email to um to the uh to the FIA with the the documented fuel load or mass whatever which way they they did it but I don't think it was intentional but the rules are rules um yeah and um you know, there's a lot of stake for a point in this in this game. But so. there, but there's that's interesting. There's cameras in all the garages, and they and they're watching. So after the race, so you can't go and try to fix a problem that was uh, that that violated a rule or whatever. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, the the cameras are there for a couple of reasons. You know, safety would be one thing, making sure that um, you know no one's in the garage when the when the garages are are closed for. The Park Fermi and, and um, um, 
I heard them say curfew. Curfews uh, as well, yep. While they were here. Yep. So that that's one thing and then and then the other thing is, you know, if there is any I guess funny business you can you can rewind it and, and check. Um we also we also used to use it for, you know, if someone has made a mistake is if I mean, training we, we had cameras up as well. There's you know, that I think they have a couple there. But you can rewind them and see whether someone did make a mistake, whether it was genuine, you know, how a fire maybe started in the garage or someone tripped over or got run over. You know, there's loads of different yeah. areas you can look in on it. So they have the means. They also, during the race weekend, they have a scrutineer for each car that stands in the garage um, and he monitors everything, writes everything down. So you've got the camera, you've got um, an FIA scrut um, scrutineer delegate, um, which will be in the garage. Um, so I, I think you probably find it was a, you know, it was a human error, but um, unintentional. But again, you know, we'll have to wait yeah. and see whether they get penalised for it. <laughs> yes, once again, we will have to be waiting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's. I mean, there really there there wasn't a, uh, a ton in this race, and I mean, one of the big stories, of course, was DRS not working until lap, lap 18. eighteen. Yeah, so we got a little taste of what. Uh, current f1 is is like without drs and the way the cars are designed and everything that's not good racing for us right now sure and realize that you know what what's different about this is there is still dirty air behind the car and so that was a, a big part of the drive towards drs is to make it so that the cars would essentially have a little boost when they were within one second of the the, the car in front of them uh, that's where they can open the flap, be a little more airstream, and zip through that dirty air, get past it. Yeah. Um, one thing I definitely want to talk about this on this final post-race show of the season, of course, our regular show. You know, we do Speed City um, every Sunday night live in Austin on local radio. You can also stream it. We do that. We're going to continue on through the off season, and we're going to try to have some cool guests during that too. Because you know, before you know it, we, we're going to have racing here, big time racing here at Coda here in Austin, but early part of the next year. So, hey, uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on in the area. Yeah. yeah. So, but one thing I want to talk about is the, the 2021. We're going to talk about the 2020 grid and the calendar next year because it is it's record breaking 22 races. But kind of on the same vein we've been talking about, uh, I want to talk about the rules of 2021 and what's going to be different and. Uh, and how that's going to, how that's uh, going to affect the, the racing? Because really, that's that's the bottom line here. Is that is that today without DRS, we saw what happens. It's really, really poor racing, uh, potentially not always, but potentially without without DRS and without some of these new rule changes. So uh, we're going to talk a lot about that. And in fact, I think that I want to play this clip because we've got one more clip from Chase Carey because we had an exclusive interview with Chase Carey, uh, CEO, I believe an executive chairman of Formula One when he was here in Austin. It was pretty cool to get our own interview with him. And uh, we have a clip on his take. They had just announced the 2021 rules right after the press conference when we had this interview. So let's let's hear that. Yeah, I mean, we're very excited. I mean, we've been working on this for a while, you know, probably a couple, it's been a working process for, you know, realistically, probably a couple of years. So it's uh, nice to get this step. And obviously, we've got a lot of work left to do. We've got to now make it happen. And and these rules are not, you know, oh, you know, oh, like we're done, um, yeah. you know, so it's an ongoing process. But these are a very important step. And I think really 
the foundation for us, be, you know, enabling us to make the sport everything we want it to be in terms of competition, action on the track, and a much healthier sport for everybody. You know, one of the questions I asked in the press conference was, uh, technology fans, do we have anything to worry about? Because we, we love the fact that F1 is the pinnacle. It's the, the most uh, advanced kind of racing there is. Do we have any concerns there? No, and I think that's why we tried to address it right up front, that I think the DNA of Formula One, you know, is critical you know, to its future. I mean, this is a great sport with a great history, um, you know, great heroes, great events, um, and we want to build on that. We don't want to change it. We want to build on it. Um, and part of that is making sure we continue to have a sport um, that is first a great sport with great competition on the track, um, but it is a sport married to technology, and it is what distinguishes the sport from almost every, every other sport out there, and I think part of what makes it truly unique. Well, we will be excited to hear all about that, and uh, we have Dave O'Neill in studio, and Dave, I want to talk to you. Let's go ahead and take our break, but when, right when we come back, I want to talk to you about some of the things that are banned in going 2021, like hydraulic suspension and barge boards and some other things. But, And uh, we also we have a caller on the line, so we're going to get to that caller right after the break. Let's go ahead and get that break. Listen to Speed City live in Austin, Texas, back after a quick break. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company. Born, bred, and brewed in Texas. When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. Talk 13-7, the right choice. Hi, this is Gene Haas, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Dave, your old boss is bringing us back from the break. How was Gene Haas to work for? I know Gunther was your day-to-day, -day, but... Yeah, Gene... Um... Very quiet guy, uh, unassuming. Um, yeah, I, he was um, he was a thinker, I guess is the best way huh. to put it. Um, a thinker that did an awful lot behind the scenes. Um, and yeah, I mean his machine tool business is is massive and growing. Yeah, um, and I, you know from what, where he started, he's um, he's coming a long way. But yeah, genius, I'd say probably. Hmm. That's yeah. good to hear. All right, we have a caller on the line. By the way, if you want to call and join the show, 512-643-5483. We got a regular on the phone, Andy P. Hey, Andy, how's it going, man? Good morning, guys. How is it now that the 2019 marathon season is over? I know. It's, it's you know, it's weird to me. It's it, In some ways, it seems like it just started to me. And 
And Andy, I was thinking about you yesterday. I tweeted out from our account and I said, uh, you know, on Thanksgiving Day, actually, and I said I want to be I was thankful for all the new fin- fans and friends that we've had that we've gotten this year. And uh, and I just want to say appreciate you tuning in and, and uh, interacting with us all year long on social. And I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely not a problem. And and thanks to you guys as well, you know, for, for doing the, the, the show. It's yeoman's work sometimes getting up at the, the odd hours that you guys do uh, to bring great content. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to bring great content every week is, is really tough to do. So kudos to you guys for doing that. Hey, well, the, thanks for taking the trek to Texas. I, I, it was great getting to meet you, and uh, thanks for being a part of the Speed City events race week. Oh, very happy to do it. And like I said before, you know, thanks to you guys for putting that on. Um, one of the things I actually, it, it, there really wasn't much to say about today's race. Yeah. I mean, other than the fact that, you know, the DRS didn't work for a quarter of it. And <laughs> we really got to see why, at least on that track, why it's really needed. Um, but just kind of an overall observation. And I'm glad you guys brought up, you know, the Texas race week. Something that I noticed, and I haven't really had a chance to make this point anywhere else yet. Um just in interacting with everybody during that week, I, what you guys have been saying about, you know, getting more Americans involved, it, it's happening because I've gone, I've been fortunate enough to go down to Texas every year that they've had the race there. Um, the first year I would say one in four fans was not American mm-hmm. um, that I would yeah. run into. I would say this year it's closer to one in five, one in so the percentage of Americans that are going to the race in Texas and are coming to Austin is definitely increasing. And you've seen it in the numbers. You've seen it in the numbers on social. So it's happening. It's, just, it's good. You still got a ways to go, obviously. But this sport is actually, I think, finally starting to take root in this country. And it's really fun to see. You know you what? what? There's, there's lots of numbers to back that up, too, Andy, because the ESPN numbers are are up this year significantly. Uh, you mentioned social media. It, it's hard to judge that a little bit because F1's accounts are still new uh, because Bernie didn't believe in it. But uh, but F1 was the number one major sport social media growth in the last two or three years. Um, and, and anecdotally, here in Austin, yeah, uh, we've seen it. You know, Andy, it wasn't that long ago you would go to people, you'd go to a restaurant. I would always, when I go to a restaurant, I would always interact with either the waitress or whoever and and ask them about the race, the racetrack. Some of them would say, oh, it, they didn't even know it was there. And that doesn't yeah. happen anymore. People understand it now. Austin has embraced it at least. So, Andy, I know you're a great ambassador of, of you know, Formula One fanaticism. What, do, what more does it need? Uh, you know, we... You know, Mario Andretti talked about, hey, we need the American team, the facility, the driver, you know, to build the audience. Well, we've got those kind of rolling. But uh, when you get somebody hooked in talking with you about F1 and learning from you, what is it that you think is hooking in that new follower? I would hope that it's the passion that the the, the fandom has for the sport. And that's kind of how I got involved with it was, you know, you'd see these other people talking about it and you go and I go, boy, you know, they're, why are they getting into this? And to me, one of the uh, linchpins was a, a, it was a documentary. It was called, uh, I think ironically enough, one all about like the safety features and everything. And if you watch the last 
five, 10 minutes of that documentary. It's all about like race celebrations and everything like that. So anything that can garner that type of response from uh, teams and fans ought to be something you ought to look into. Cause I think that's just missing from a lot of sports today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and less to what, when you're saying to me, there's so many facets to F1 because for me, the number one thing is the technology. I love right. automotive technology, racing technology, right? But for some, they don't. They could care less. It's the racing. It's the competition. And for some, that it's the like they, they go to the places they go. They go to you know, like today, here we are at Abu Dhabi and and all the the cool countries that you go to, the culture and all. There's so many different facets to it that I think that people could get excited about, but. And I think people do. Different people watch it for different reasons. That I that just in my little sphere they do. But well, Andy, right. I mean, you 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 can pick an, an angle. You can look at it from a business perspective. You can look at it from an athletic perspective. You can look at it from a technology perspective. And it's all wrapped up into one, really, in my opinion, really cool sport. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think that that all those things. Uh, well, Andy, what I was about to ask you is. Um, we're we're thinking about 2020. Uh, what are your expectations for next year? Any any revelations? You know, this year the the revelations were your team, the McLaren team, just did so well. The Haas team did so poorly, and uh, not a whole lot of you know. There's been some driver ex- uh, things that that we didn't think about. But what about for next year? Any predictions? Any guesses? I would say don't sleep on Racing Point because I think that is a team that is finally now going to have its budget under it. And it's going to be really interesting to see what they can now develop because I don't, I think they were just coming out of a survival mode and now that they can actually try to plan their stuff out, it's going to be interesting. And I want to see what the response from Haas is. Mm -hmm. Um, They clearly have identified what the problem is. Now we got to find out what their solution is. And you hope that they can take a step forward and get back into the fight. Uh, we have a gentleman who we can ask if. Uh, what, so, Dave, if you're if you're back in the in this in the chair at Haas, what do you do right now to try to to, to get back on track? Yeah, I mean it's it's a good question, and I think um, you know they have been doing is is the answer. You know they they've been at it since they've established what what is the um, the Achilles heel to the to their their problem during the year um and um they've been trying stuff as well you've seen the the, the car go quickly in in the in the start of the race and then drop off um so there's a lot of areas i think they they're clarifying um bit of testing as well um this this uh coming week to find out you know where mm-hmm. which direction they should be going in um but i think they'll come back strong you know they they started out well. Um, all all teams have blips. Look at Williams. You know they got more world championships than uh, than everyone stuck together from the first three. So um, they'll come back. Yeah. Um, but I think Haas. You know they they have to. They you know it's, it's something they do and someone everyone does is is fight again. McLaren. You know yep. and they have to look at them two years ago and see what state they were in, and they're up scoring points with both cars now. So um yeah I think Force India uh, sorry Racing Point will um now with the budget um they should you should see some results maybe not next year but the following year they they're doing an awful lot of stuff as well they're building a factory three times the size of what they got now 
Um, so they're also employing lots of new staff. Um, that's not a work of a moment. It takes a while to get people to work together um, on that side. So, you know, be surprised to see them do a lot better than they have done this year. But maybe two or three years down the road, they'll be um, they'll be punching above their weight. I think. So, where do you think Racing Point will put their budget in for twenty twenty? You know, I think they've they're going to put it into what they have been doing previously, which is um, aero and more and more aero um, as they can. Um, also, you know, on the other hand, you've got two drivers that I think you know there's half a second difference between them, so the the data is there's a lot of data to to look at and also clear out from from strolls to. To Perez's, you know, Perez is obviously more consistent on that side. Right. So they have a disadvantage on that side with the half a second gap between the the two drivers. So they have to get themselves back in line on 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 that perspective. Well, that's a good point, Andy, and we'll be. Uh, that's a, that's definitely one to watch. So, Andy, Andy, thanks a lot, buddy. We appreciate you listening. Appreciate you calling in, and uh, yeah, give us a call on the regular show on Sunday nights too. Yeah, maybe. Um, thanks again, guys, and it's been great talking to you. All right, talk to Thank you soon. You. Thank sure. you. Right. Yeah, I I really I'm thinking about the Haas team, and when we spoke to everybody here, no one had a defeated attitude at all. Everyone was like, you know what, this is just part of the process. We hit a you know we hit a bump where uh, we are uh, we're going to work to fight another day. And in fact, we do have a clip. I've got a clip from Kevin Magnuson where he talks specifically about 2020. And he seems he seemed pretty optimistic. We got that one ready, producer? Yep, let's hear from Kevin Magnuson. I'm very much looking forward to next year. I think um, you know, it's a chance to to start on a on a fresh again and a clean clean sheet of paper. And um, you know, we know we can do it. We we did it last year. We were very competitive last year. Had a lot of bad luck and yet scored a, a P5 uh, position in the Constructors' Championship. And, you know, some teams haven't never done that on, on the grid. You know, Toro Rosso, for example, never finished fifth. They've never finished as high as that. So, you know, we did that in uh, the third year of the history of the team. So, pretty impressive, you know. And people, people and even ourselves, seem to, to forget that sometimes, uh, how, how good we were last year. So, we've got to keep confidence confidence in ourselves and, uh, and and continue to believe in ourselves and and just go and do it next year i love that that was pretty optimistic attitude wasn't it from magnuson yep yeah talking about things that nobody else had done you know i mean he said they're p5 last year so we'll see what they can do i saw uh, I, I was thinking about something we were talking about all the potential for next year and we think we we're talking about ferrari earlier think about where ferrari started this year a rookie driver, I say a rookie, an inexperienced driver, almost a rookie, and Vettel, and and the 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 way they progressed this year, all the ups and downs, Vettel being down, and you know, at, at one point we're thinking, is Vettel, is he is he done? You could you could argue you could have argued that at some point in the season. They've gone through a roller coaster ride, so they'd be pretty good position next year. Let's don't forget that there's really that that if if this if a handful of things were to change. Ferrari could have easily been making this a real championship battle. So who knows? Next year, that could happen too. So there's so many. We, we all know how sport is year sure. to year. Yeah.
Well, um, I talked, I mentioned something going into this this segment, but we got to bump it to the next segment. We've got to take one last break. But I want to talk about 2021 rules and some of the technical things that maybe you can give us some insight with. You're listening to Speed City. We're live in Austin, and we'll be back after these messages. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company. Born, bred, and brewed in Texas. Austin's Talk, 1370. Hello to everyone. This is Gunther Steiner. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, so when we went to break, we were gonna said we we're gonna talk about 2021 rules, and there's a lot to talk about. There's everything from the cost cap to the technical changes. The new car looks really cool. It's gonna have lower profile tires. Welcome to the 80s with a with a, a lower profile. I mean, that that's uh, there's so many different things, but I, I do want to start with the one I would I'd mention because it's a ban on uh, hydraulic suspension and. And Dave, you were talking about how it's not just that, but it's the way the suspension's connected front to rear. Yep, it's kind of like a link system, um, which, which again, you know, you want the car to work um, to get together with each other front and back, and the only way you can really do that is connect it. Um, so the uh, you know the development that goes into that um, costs them costs an awful lot of money. <laughs> I, I guess that's why they've picked one of um, that to. To, to go on the list is try and get that under control as opposed you know you that sounds crazy complex it, yeah pretty complex moog valve software that's required for it etc um and also a lot of um rig testing as well um to be done on the car so um yeah it's, it kind of links the the front and rear so when you when you're going around the corner um you have all four wheels contacted to the the road um, as much as you can, as opposed to having the the four dampers, which which work independently, and um, the car rolls and brakes traction, you have to lift off, therefore slowing down. So um, yeah, you'll you'll see some more. Um, I guess it's kind of a driver aid, if you if you like. Yeah, that's um, what I was comp- in my mind. I was <laughs> excuse me, I was thinking of it. <laughs> excuse me, almost like active suspension. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can look at it like that, and it's a driver aid, and, of course, the, the people that have got the more money can develop it 
faster and you know put it on the car quicker and then you can go quicker so um that that's what they're targeting um and i guess you know the money surrounding it is is quite great so you know that's got to be one of the biggest things that cost cap it's they're talking 175 million but but that's not just that's not across everything too that's in certain areas and and how are they going to police that <laughs> i don't know I, there must be a plan in place um and also you know if if everyone has signed up to it they all they all have to adhere to it you know they've 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 joined it um and they they have to adhere to the 175 million um just like anything in life i guess you know once you write the rule you try and break it so right yeah yeah ways of getting in and out of it <laughs> but it, isn't that that's one of the things i love about formula one is that i said you say break it but you find something that's within the rules that somebody hadn't thought of that yeah. gives you an advantage that's not breaking the rules it's just they when they wrote the rule they hadn't thought of that or some way around it that's a legal way around it how you will use them yeah how you use them yes yeah um some of the things and we asked Gunther, said, okay, as a manufacturer constructor, at what point, you know, it's hard to say, what's the value of making a can of soup? What did it cost you to make that can of soup? Well, if you're the one making it, it's much different if you don't have that technology of equipment. It doesn't take as long. Or you don't have that Not brain power time. behind it. Yeah all of that kind of thing, it all changes matters. And where do you count it as a manufacturing or a research versus just regular operations? Yeah. I mean, that that's the interesting question, isn't it? You know, just to, to find out where, where you get involved and where the line is drawn um, to stay in or stay out of, uh, yeah. of that side. The other part was the powertrain. We asked about the powertrain. Okay, so we're how much of it is included in when you say you are getting it from Ferrari? What are you getting? Are you getting, you know, the ECM? Are you getting all the tune with it? Or, you know, the data that goes along to drive all those kinds of things were the things that we're asking. And he, you know, said quite honestly, that's some of the most difficult part of it is defining. We bought the powertrain from you, but do we get the tune information and, and you know all of that kind of thing? It's oversimplified in description, but it becomes very detailed in splitting off what where do you end that piece? Yeah, I mean quite blurry as well, and because <laughs> it hasn't happened, you know, doesn't happen every day. It's you know once every five ten years it happens. The the defining it and also the amount of more parts that are involved in the process now has made made the process greater um but yeah the hardware is easy to define you know there's a there's a power unit and it's got a few pistons in it and nuts and bolts but where do you get your software update um you know how many people do you need to run it when do you get the fuel updates um oil etc you know so yeah and and that was the other thing that okay dave gets paid a million dollars a day to do this Les gets a taco instead <laughs> who do you, you know, how do you account for that difference in skill set and the wages that go with that? Well, that, that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the hard bit, isn't it? You know, and, and whoever's supplying it has to have that documented somewhere. Um, 
And by the way, I want two tacos. Two today. tacos, yeah. <laughs> And yeah. the cost cap is $175 million, and I talked about it, about not everything, but what that is, that's $175 million per year per team, and it applies to anything that covers on-track performance, but excludes marketing costs, the salary of the drivers, and any of the top three personnel of any team. And let's not forget, the cost caps, you know, which we, in the NFL, in the NBA, they're called salary caps because it's a different, it's a different sport, right? Mm-hmm. In, in F1, it's all about... Uh, on track performance, right? With the things that co- that cost that, but we're used to that in the NFL. You got, uh, you know, they tr- they've done a fantastic job in the NFL of making parity. You know, now it truly is on any given Sunday who's gonna. We don't know who's gonna win, and that is the one key thing that F one is missing right now. Because, I mean, we saw the stats from the, we, we're at the end of a decade, right? We've seen the stats of how many times, how many. How, what were the stats of how many teams that have not not been either Mercedes, Ferrari, or Red Bull and won a race? Not very many times right. in, the, in the entire decade, and that's what needs to be fixed. And it and these costs, these salary caps in stick and ball sports in the United States, they work, and they work very, very well. And it is it has solved that problem. I mean, and it's not easily comparable because they talk about salary caps and driver. I mean, and and quarterbacks or whatever can go to another team. But in essence, it's the same kind of thing, and I really do think that it will work. But it's it, it's going to be a little bit of uncharted territory. I don't I don't know. Do Have we had cost caps ever in Formula 1? There was, yeah. Um, probably 2010, around 2010 side. I thought um, there was, yeah. There was the caps, but, you know, some of the teams started making up, um, you know, like different businesses to do the R&D testing, et cetera. But I think going back to your point earlier about the the cost caps, the cost caps totally agree. You know that that that's one thing to look at. But when you're still looking at, you know, twelve hundred people at Mercedes to three hundred and fifty at um, at Haas or whatever, you still got an army of people more, and they can produce more. Um, you know, how they're going to reduce from twelve hundred down to whatever the budget, you know, states for the workers on the ground floor is is the interesting bit for me and um, people like Haas, Racing Point, you know all the smaller teams that don't operate at the 175 they're around the 120, 150 they're the ones I think are going to be the surprise and being able to move quickly you know it's a bit, the, the bigger teams are a big ship with a small rudder whereas the smaller teams can move quickly because that's what they're used to doing, you know they have a meeting they, yeah. t- they get everyone in in the front office and tell them we're going left today instead of right and it happens whereas the bigger teams they're all over the place you know they're not necessarily all in the same building so i want one of these and and i will i want it to be haas but i want a small team to think of something that would make a significant change and and give them the chance to win races i mean that would just change the sport overnight and be such a dramatic thing. I know that that that's a lightning in the bottle kind of thing. We need another brawn, don't we? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) That's the kind of thing that we want. And, uh, well, well, look, we're almost out of time. And, uh, I just want to kind of look back and reflect a little bit on the, on the season. I think overall, I think the season's been really, really good. A great season, really. Ever since after, France, <laughs> everything was, it was a really good racing all season long. And I think that, uh, that I feel like 
that Liberty's making some good decisions. I think these 2021 rules are are moving in the right direction, and I think I think our sport is has got some momentum here in the United States, and I think there's lots of lots of things to be excited about looking ahead. I agree. I agree. I think uh, you know I'm interested to see what these rule changes are going to do in 21, but I want to see what's going to happen in 20. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice to um, sort of get, gather the grid together um, for 20 and then maybe have a little bit of a level playing field for 2021. But yeah. Well, well Dave, Dave O'Neill, thank you so much for joining us in the studio and uh, look forward to hanging out with you more here in Austin. And and uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in this year. And, uh, of course, check out our, our regular Sunday night show and go to our website, speedcitybroadcast.com, and find out all about us and when you can listen. And uh, we appreciate everyone who listened this year. And we'll talk to you soon. Ciao, y'all. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 